You're listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast of readings and archives from City Lights books and publishers. To learn more, visit www.citylights.com. First up, Kevin Madrigal. Let me tell you about Kevin. Kevin is a decolonizer of food, art, and health. He's a Chicano first-generation child of immigrantes mexicanos from Sur San Francisco and he writes to honor his ancestors and work towards a better future. Give it up, y'all, for Kevin Madrigal. I am perfect. Expectations have been placed on me like two large water jugs on a donkey's back. I march left, right, left, right, lower, back, giving out. Concrete gravel under my step decomposes to unsupported disheveled sand. I admire the donkey and its blissful ignorance, but does it truly march in bliss? Or because it knows that marching means food and water? I write for the donkey, and I've come to realize this weight place has a name, perfection. And in the relentless pursuit of it, I realize a more important goal. Join me in becoming perfect. You see, I'm perfect. Perfect, not to be confused with perfection. No, I don't seek that. The lifelong carrot, the number, likes, followers, retweets, salary, abs, reps, dogs, checks, A pluses, blind buses, hot dates, social functions. I am not perfection. What I am though is perfect. I am perfectly imperfect, unselfishly selfish, and unpredictably predictable. Foresightedly hindsighted, I am palatably unpalatable and unannoyingly annoying. But one day I'll change. Future me will be so much better. Future future me will be indirectly direct, be humbly arrogant. When tired, future me will successfully quit. Future me will be on some next level shit that has somehow always been the same shit. Hmm. It's always been the same. Future me, past me, they are one. Unless I choose otherwise. If I keep seeking perfection, I'll spiral down to the ninth circle of destruction catalyzed by this capitalistic consumption. Perfection takes your insecurities, sells them right back to you, and nothing can get you out of this self-imposed attention. But if I accept what I am now is good enough, I'll alleviate the tension of future me and past me. You see, I am past me's wildest dreams and future me's fondest memories. Presently, I am perfect. Hello everyone, hope everyone's having a good night so far. Thank you all for coming out. I'm super excited to read. Thank you so much for inviting me, Kim. Um, Kim is such a dope force in the city, and if you do not know her and are a poet, you should get to know her and support her by getting her book. Um, so one of, really quickly, uh, or yeah, my name's Kevin Lodigad. Great introduction, thank you, Josiah. Um, and, I've been reflecting a lot. Like this is like a weird, just like transition into this piece. But I don't know. I like walk around the city a lot from the work that I did here. I was working nonprofit stuff, working around homelessness for about three years in the city. Um, and sometimes it's really easy for me to get super jaded. Like even on the way to walking up here from the Montgomery Bart Station and walking past all these people who I'm like, 
I'm sure they're all having, you know, a content time with their lives and just feeling like, why don't people like care enough about these issues? Like, why can't we solve all the homelessness, all the poverty that exists here? So um, Kim asked me to read a poem about the city. And so this is my poem about the city, which is kind of a little bit from that. A city is only as beautiful as the young plaza security officer roaming the block, grin on his face, glued to a screen, configuring the best response to his love. A city is only as beautiful as the rhythm spilling from the poor man's hands as he taps the steel drum with calloused palms and cracked creases on the corner of Market and O'Farrell. A city is only as beautiful as the resolve of the young mother of two sitting on subway concrete, persistently holding her sign. Rejection after rejection. A city is only as beautiful as the success the old cart-pushing woman feels. Couple dollars in her pocket, selling canned beans and spinach cream on the street. A city is only as beautiful as the relief the desperate chain smoker feels. Her fingertips burnt from scavenged cigarette, then plunge into cold ice water. A city is only as beautiful as the smile of Michael, the homeless newspaper man not yet broken down by a broken system that's been trying its hardest. A city has so many reasons to be beautiful, but a city will always remain ugly, as ugly as its residents' confusion as to why they must coexist with the poor. More pieces. Oh, we didn't talk about time, but is it like time to sit? This one's called Witnessed. Witnessed, Stanford, California. I return to my dorm through the front door, which sits atop a grassy hill lined with picnic tables, same as the other houses on the road. Alfredo is wearing his work issued purple latex gloves, just like the ones my mom takes from work, emptying the hallway trash, just like my mom does at the hospital. He shoots a quick smile and says, Hola, Kevin. When Irma, the dishwasher from Sinaloa, isn't looking, I steal a warm cookie fresh out the oven. But she catches me anyway and says, Ay, Kevin, with a chuckle. Ascending to my room, I exchange pleasantries to seem friendly with a couple people who wouldn't know the difference between a practitioner of custodial services and a janitor. Or at least with people who don't know the name of the one that cleans up after them. It could be Rodolfo, Hernando, Juan, or Isaias, but they'd be wrong. Isaias is my mother's brother's best friend in America's cousin, and he delivered chicken to our kitchen. And to someone who hasn't had the privilege of growing up in a culture rich with names, I could see how you mix them up. Across campus, someone asks the vice provost, what keeps the school running? He pauses, then says, our exalted research and generous alumni. But if you ask me, I'd say he's never met Alfredo, Irma, or Isaias, because I, as their witness, wouldn't even think twice. Cool, so, be it that we are here for a special person, um, I asked if, if, I, if it would be okay for me to read a poem from her book. Um, and she approved, so um, I guess really quickly the lead up to this is, I read this book and I enjoyed it if you can't tell by the stickies <laughs> um, but like there's this, there's this thing I think a lot of other poets say to each other which is like, 
you shouldn't always just read poetry, like you should actually read it out loud. Because um, a lot of poetry, and sure, like some poetry is meant to be read on the page, but I think a lot of it has much more emotion and you get a better connection to it. Um, you can kind of get an idea of like how it feels and what's it, what it's about by reading it out loud. And I've never really done it before. And for some reason, when I read this po poem, I just like immediately started reading it out loud. Like I was just like, oh, this poem needs to be read out loud. So I wanted to share that poem with y'all. This is by Kim Shuck in her book, Dear Trails which can be found here at City Lights. Make sure you do all the plugs. <laughs> Field trip, point of shift, sand to foam to headstone. I remember the Terrabelle tunnel. It comes in dreams and memories of field trips and quilted coats. Honey sandwiches gone transparent. They're running the old L trains down market these days. Cars slip between effigies of a West made safe, unsafe, known until sand shifts again, the fog shifts again. Mm. All right, and I think this will be my last piece. It's, um, it's a little bit longer than the ones that I just read, so hope you all stay with me, but yeah, it should be it. Yeah. Sorry, I like printed this and I forgot to put long edge binding, so it's like upside down. <laughs> which I'm sure the other poets in the room understand the thing. Not just the poets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably the publishers more so than the poets. Um, this piece is called A Revisionist Historia. In elementary school, we were told that the first person to walk the moon was an American in 1969. As an adult with a critical eye, I now see that wasn't exactly true. At that time, the notion was that the American flag was first to take home on the cratered moon. But that notion was built on a nation, created from time and motion sacrificed by broken English backs and foreign dreams collapse. See, time and motion have a couple things in common. They're both relative, and when they stop, they result in death. Did you hear about the parents that were slain protecting their babies in El Paso? The father, Andre Onchando, could have been my relative. I know this because there is no recorded trace of our ancestry, wiped by a manifest destiny, de deserts scattered with skeletal debris collected and digested to arrive at a conclusion. Digestion takes time. Time is relative. In 1846, Mexicans were slaughtered and lain in the grave state of Texas. Bullets fell like raindrops in eternal storm. 10,000 dropped until unwilling hands forcibly signed papers. The invasion was complete. Unfortunate the fact that those in power sit in plush, warm seats while those without clout fight in crimson clouds to prove their superiors <laughs> are superior. In this history, America the superior, America the hero, America the future. In my historia, Bullets withdraw from flesh, amend all wounds on egress, sucked back into air, back into barrels, back into triggers unpulled, broken down to minerals, returned to earth. This all happens because motion is relative. Sergio is my relative. He's my primo. A tenured groundskeeper at the dormitories of one of the world's most prestigious universities, he surveys campus with leaf blower in hand, just like his great-grandfather, abuelo, and father have just like his children may someday. On a 100 degree day, he comes to the realization he'll never break this cycle here. With one fateful swoop, 
leaf blower pointed directly at the ground, transforms to NASA-certified NASA jet propulsion pack. He takes one last breath. Three, two, one, takeoff. A hawk turns its head in surprise. Employees on a 37th floor can't believe their eyes. Breaks through the ozone, through the stratosphere, goes beyond the skies, passes by the International Space Station, and gives it the universal hand sign. Approaching the moon's surface, he notices a small blue planet, taking up space almost exactly where a familiar crescent shape once did before. With the weight lifted off his shoulders, his feet find graceful landing on shallow crater. He notices the American flag in the distance, and about him, the sounds of trumpets, accordion, and guitar. He approaches the flag, one leaf blower assisted jump at a time. The mariachi music grows louder and louder, big groups of gente bailando around it. Among them, his great-grandfather, his abuelo, his dad. Mexican soldiers dressed in abrigos and chacos straight from the 1800s, and one young man he doesn't know, but recognizes as Andre, the hero, whose photo was all over the news. Sergio asks, why are you all celebrando around the flag of the USA? They laugh. An elder named Jesus responds, mijo, do you really think they got here without us? Sergio smiles and joins in on the celebración. Thank you all. That was Kevin Madrigal. Give it up one more time for Kevin. Come on. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right. So our next poet. Can I just call you a poetic revolutionary? Is that all right? Is that, is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. This next poet is a poetic revolutionary of the highest order. This is uh, Thea Matthews, who was uh, actually born and raised in San Francisco. Huh? Uh, Excelsior, a native. Thea, as many of you know, is a poet, educator, activist, and author of uh, Unearth the Flowers, which was uh, published in 2019 by Red Lit Press. March. Red Light Lit Press. Red Light Lit. Red Light Lit Press, yes. Coming out, and coming out in March. It hasn't come out yet. Correct. Dios mio. Okay. Oh, the, what year is it? 2020. Did I say 2019? It said 2019 on the day. My bad. Man, <laughs> yeah. Not only does Thea not know what year it is, <laughs> she, last year, it was last year, she was also the Alley Cat Poet in Residence, uh, which was an amazing program, and she produced a chapbook called Grime. Grim Grime. Grim Grime, which, which you should all get as well. So, uh, it's not available. It's not available. <laughs> okay. Look her up on YouTube. <laughs> Thea Matthews is available on YouTube. All right, uh, yeah, anyway, her poetry has been featured in the Atlanta Review, the Foglifter Journal, and the Rumpus, and you can't find it there, I promise. Y'all give it up for one of San Francisco's own, Thea Matthews. Uh, and this next book that I'm working on is For the Living and Dead of San Francisco. 
um, it's kind of, it's definitely extends grim grime, and um, I just go in. Whereas unearth is of resiliency, this one is of survival, and all the ways in which we resort to survival. Um, so I'll share some of these poems, and then I'll close with force, which is in here. All right. The city's newcomer is my office. Paid in thousands for a startup standing on bumbling bombs down 6th Street. Repulsed by the incorrigible, complaining about the feces and the piss, the encampments and the hiss street rats give to the corporate bus, rolling down Valencia to drop off invaders, dwellers, the city's newcomer, who ignores vomit, empty beer cans, used needles scattered like an avant-garde Dadaistic installation. The latest gallery to rot in, wake up in. The city's newcomer evades the knowing. Time has passed, apartments stolen. Displaced, wide-eyed little Jordans and mini puff coats sit on renovated stoops, chewing on chips of house paint. These children know the ghosts of ethnic cleansing in each for sale sign. They untie shoelaces of pedantic politicians who sign off for another amenity, like a parklet, new palm trees, a new dog park for incoming conservatives, AKA a leg of the city's newcomer. The city fights with its own heart, mind, spine, and limbs. The city may very well implode one day with them occupying entire districts. Until then, rats will eat leftovers of lost appetites, plastic smiles, will plaster billboards and glass windows, and I will stand here, be the referee for food waste between seagulls and pigeons. Thank you. In this city, you dig deep enough, you'll find the bones, smell, dead skin rotting, feel the stiffness of limbs, transplanted, pickpocketed in a stream of stolen promises. In this city where the Pacific cries, bodies buried in missionaries, street kids disappear, spirits linger, long welfare lines, methadone clinics, and a middle-aged pimp asks a pretty young girl, how old are you? As the pickup line to say, she's pretty, too pretty, pretty enough to sell. Hands are always lurking for their next prey, a new sap from faulty roots of beetle-infected trees. Time quickly wears on the skin as money pushes City Hall. Ghettos to high-rises look the same with tech valleys man-made. Pharmaceuticals, a high man made. No one ever wants to come down. In this city, grass wrestles with the trees, and the crows and sparrows laugh at the debauchery of it all. In this city, you see it all. Revolution is for the hopeless, the wretched, the bodies, their ghosts of a paintbrush, 
These painted words, now designated for glazed eyes, rest in a carved corner of an abandoned family wreck spot on Turk and Fulmore. True story. The one-time Black Harlem of the West, where boys would later skip school, play with bullets while girls would do their braids in front of passenger side mirrors. Together, jump rope in front of the police station and holler to blends on the corner of what is now the Western Edition, Alamo Square, where out-of-towners get their luggage stolen and thin blonde braids overshadow rare sightings of black children laughing, skipping, playing jump rope in the streets of San Francisco, the streets now neo-colonized, gentrified. You can walk for blocks and not see black the original skin, the semitones of existence, of survival, of persistence. Revolution dwells in the darkness of a gut in the belly of a city where the desperate, the wretched, the despairing are responsible for revolt, have the strength and stamina to overthrow social order, demand a new system, fight the power. Murmur. This is all new shit, so I'm like, ooh, shit, shit. Thank you. And as I'm hearing it, I'm like, oh. But hey, we're all in this together. We're doing it. Okay. <laughs> new shit. Um, this heart beats to a clock with a murmur. Tick tock. Tick tock, tick tock. Tick. Tock. Time oscillates with tears trailed along Mission Street. The 14 bus races down Mission, passes Bernal Hill. Tick tock. I listen to a puddle evaporate next to me. Oh, how I wish I were listening to drums of beating waves, to strength of rats outliving plagues, to weeds surviving blocks of cement, instead of the dull hum of complacency, the forfeit to foreclosure. Clock is ticking. Can we rise together, find strength in each other, or will we fall apart separately, wither quickly, become ancestors to empty streets filled with incoming cheerleader squads, tech fraternities, transplants occupying our old playgrounds? The clock, tick tock, tick tock, ticks, measures, moments from fingers. Prying doors open, fireworks swirling our name in the streets. This heart knows puddles can become oceans, not to be underestimated. Mm. How many people passed through the TL to get through here? We did. <laughs> in the TL, we walk around, gutless to live. Smoke on fire escapes, dangle off apartment buildings under a neon-lit sky. We toss a slurred hello to dealers passing by. And if their eyes tell us they are holding, we follow them. We stagger, stumbling through fire exits, to the alley in the back, to the bar with cheap drinks, sour whiskey. And off we go, into the gyrate gutter of dull walls, cockroach-infested bedrooms, 
We burn our lips on hot glass, turn our bodies into an open vacancy for the deranged. We die hidden. And um, if you don't already have it, get, walk out with it. Uh, I was going to choose one poem, and then I chose another. And then, yes. And I want everyone, yes. Force. It must take force to break a spirit. We've been finding pieces of you for years in one another. The tight curls behind an ear, the set corners of your mouth, that streak of green and a left eye, the fanged eye teeth, we know you again when we see them. Our autobiographies are written somewhere else by people who have never eaten at our tables or picked stones for leg rattles that we are expected to pose in for the book covers they practice our signatures and sometimes even when you can't tell houses are always puzzle boxes there is an order to things away to the very center our soft wood floor never finished the patchwork of doorknobs and step creaks what force it must take thank you so much yeah. And these books will be out this year, so you can get them. One world, one world, yeah. That was, that was wonderful. Um, yes, y'all ready for the poet laureate? No, they're not ready. They're not ready. They're almost ready. But um, actually, very quickly before I, I, I bring her up here, um, I did want to say something because we're talking about our community, our our literary community and um, a cornerstone, a foundation, a pillar of our community um, is very ill right now. Um, I don't know how many of y'all know of the poet QR Hand. Mm -hmm. um, QR was, is an amazing entity. He was a part of SNCC back in the day. He was part of the Black Arts Movement on the East Coast. He was part of the Beat Movement on the East Coast. He came out here and blessed us on the West Coast and started Cafe the Bar and Mission, who's the host of the Spaghetti Factory readings for years. He's a, an amazing human being who's influenced countless poets. Um, and that's not an exaggeration when I say countless poets. But um, he's very sick right now. He's got stomach cancer, and like many artists in the Bay Area, he's been isolated from us um, and is up in Vallejo. So in the next couple months, there's going to be events for him to try and raise money for him to provide him some funding. Um, if you see any of these events advertised, please go to them. Uh, tell people about them. There's also a GoFundMe account for Q, um, Q uh, at GoFundMe.com, a helping hand for QR Hands. So please, y'all, um, it's so hard for this man, and I can't emphasize enough how much of an impact he's had on the poets that, that we just sort of take for granted now. You know, he's literally, I mean, if you could, if you could rip open Tom Guys and Martin's insides, you'd see cables going directly to QR. So that's just one example, and I know y'all know who I'm talking about. So if you can help this man out, help him. If you can spread the word, please do that. Because he's a big part of our community. So blessings to QR. Okay. Now, I'd get that off my chest. Um, without further ado, I... Uh, 
Yet another person who has been inspired by QR. Kim Shuck, uh, and you, you do hear it in the writing, I mean, without a doubt. So, Kim Shuck. <laughs> Kim Shuck is a Salagi, Euro American poet. Chalagi. Chalagi. It's the portrait of my time, I'm sorry. Chalagi, Euro American poet. Author, weaver, and beadwork artist who draws from Southwestern Native American culture and tradition as well. Southeastern, yeah. nature, okay, Southeastern culture and tradition, as well as contemporary urban Indian life. Sorry about that, Kim. She has published four books of poetry, Smuggling Cherokee in 2005, Clouds Running In in 2014, Rabbit Stories in 2013, Sidewalk Indian, and uh, this is morning for you. It's six. And Deer Trails, which was published in 2019 by City Lights. And then after that, you snuck another one in. You snuck murder than missing in as well. So this is a poet who works a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's a real blessing having her as part of the Poet Laureate. Please give it up for Kim Shuck. At this point, it's interesting with all the different biographies that are out there, how people manage at all to introduce me. I'm always impressed. Um, QR situation is very serious. Keep your eyes open. I've got some things that I'm going to be doing. Um, one of the things is that I, uh, well, I organize a lot of poetry, so we'll just leave it there. Thank you both for reading me. I'm not easy to read. My mind breaks are weird. It's hard to do it out loud. This one, however, has been hanging out with me a lot. It, it occurred to me, listening to both of you read that, um, Avacha has said of me something that I think she meant as a compliment. But she said that, uh, it's always hard to tell. Um, she has said of me that uh, I'm not afraid to read with people who are better poets than I am. <laughs> I think it's a compliment. Um, so my pop is from northeastern Oklahoma, uh, a place called Pitcher. And my mom is, was born at um, St. Mary of Help on Valencia. I am from here. Immeasurable. Fog in earnest. And here near the mint's candle flowers, the songs of seep and absorb, call quicker feet, could become that smell, that lemon, thyme, and rosemary. Before they cut the road, redwoods down, these fogs would be combed out less than a mile down the road, west there. Maybe there's a stump to navigate by, an abbreviated tooth of wood and ghosts. They knew something, those tall cousins, a thing about ancestral blood and ravens and sea fog, immeasurable by Victorian or Pythagorean tools, a thing that is also not the sipping of wild pink frozen. It's always an incredible privilege to read in Ohlone territory. So when I, when I took on the laureateship, the project I said I was going to do was a map of poetry in San Francisco. So um, if you, if you, I wanted it so that if you went online, 
you could mouse over specific places in the city and pull up a poem from different poets. And when I put the call out, I got a list of poems from people who would be the people you'd think of if you made a list of San Francisco poets. And I, that's not what I wanted. I wanted everybody. So I started doing um, workshops in all of the uh, free poetry workshops in all of the libraries. And I did. And uh, there was one hilarious moment where uh, this, I had explained the project, and this kid handed me his poem at the end of the explanation. And his mom said, no, she doesn't mean you. And I'm like, yes, I absolutely mean you. And everybody, and mostly people who grew up here, to be honest, because um, I think the mythology about how we're all dying out is a little underwhelming. Anyway, contraband. There's no need to forbid the songs on a Monday morning with the cold shivering lights near the mint and the braced gray buildings with their red blinking signals to airplanes. Beware. I think of a fortress as an old-fashioned thing, and in a way it is, but we're not singing. And the barricades are up in some pretense of offense, and the boats have entered the bay, and the songs are not being sung, although we are allowed, and revolution is a tea or a jacket and doesn't lend support, and still the streetlights are trembling as the woman under them does not, and we will measure her worthiness for help, her parents, her choices, the mess and bold fact of her there, and she's not singing either, not soup or poem, no song of any kind. <coughs> I still love this place, and there's a lot of it left. Underfoot and sidewalk. <coughs> that is looking for a cough drop. I just got over bronchitis, so if I'm sounding slightly more Edith Piaf than you're used to. <laughs> Among the tall ships, wrapped tight in earth now northeast towards the recreated waterfront, a teacup full of atmosphere, charming, historical, and the singer holds the mic so we can sing along. We know all the words. Foghorn signals so that you can avoid bumping into people, their tents on the sidewalk, an unsightly need that could make you feel almost human. These ships remember ocean, tight quarters, the sweat and sway. Some days they tremble, riding waves of imagination. We've made believe and made real. These bricks are as solid as anything, things being what they are. Could burst into moths or shrouded restaurant tables in narrow streets. A palm full of seeds that every newcomer thinks they've discovered. I myself has been, have been discovered in every decade of my life. Try not to break too many dreams on those rocks or the tent poles. It can take a moment to get your foot in. A lot of Native people who moved to San Francisco were relocated here, particularly people who got here around the time my father did. That is not what happened with my parents. My dad came out here with the Navy. My mom was a Sea Scout. Um, at that time, women Sea Scouts or Girl Sea Scout, uh, did a thing that was basically arranging donuts on plates for the Navy guys. 
that had come into, into port. And my mother and her best friend were heading away from the plates of donuts. And my father and his best friend were heading towards the plates of donuts. And it was a time when you could still own an ocelot and take it for a walk down Market Street. <laughs> this is actually true. They met at Fifth and Market when such an ocelot grabbed onto my mother and my father grabbed it by the scruff and disengaged it. And my mother didn't want to date my father. Um, she liked his friend better, who my mother is not quite as soaringly tall as I am. Um, she's about 4'10". And uh, Larry is about 6'4". And Larry didn't want to dance with her because he thought it looked bad. And uh, so she ended up with my dad, and they're still married. <laughs> my father, being a good Cherokee boy, actually moved in near her family because that's what we do. We are a natural little group. I really wish I had my five points home with me because that coat is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Only when you're here. I miss you when you're here. Some afternoons peeking through the lens and images of Southport and every other thing is fine, but pictures of a place I've never been make me cry. I only miss you when you're here. This week they're singing about John Lennon. We have to get more careful, more careful. Your details are perfect and the dirt smells of Thursday's rain. I miss you so much when you're here because I'm here. And the geometry is strange in the offhand way of houses that grow in spirals over the years, and the funny put-away toys that we look at, but we don't play with, we don't have to play with. Do the people know about the navigation tree? No. It's interesting, because uh, when I was in my 20s and I'd read poems about the navigation tree, people still remembered it. There's a group of rocks I think they've ground out of the bay now, or called the flower rocks. And as you came into the bay, if you weren't careful, it would take the bottom of your boat out. The way you did it is you'd line up a certain way coming through the gate, and you'd set your prow on the navigation tree, which was a giant redwood in the Oakland Hills. If you go look for it, you can still find the stump. This is called the stump of the navigation tree. Ritual morning orange red behind the cypress and rose tea. You and your skies, you're here with me. Now these two days of endless words, careful words, the stump of the navigation tree invoked yesterday. Trees are vertical rivers, trees as magicians, and I may need to go touch what's left to ground that idea, to let the idea flow back, because it's far too much for this morning, and it's shadows and blue that grow sharper by the second. One of the coolest things I've ever done is I read poetry before Winona Leduc was talking about food down in Monterey, and this was a poem that came out of waiting for that reading. I don't know who else does this, but if I'm really stressed out, I write. <laughs> yeah, because there's no pressure with that entry, right? <clears throat> in Monterey. Before the reading, I watched the bats orbiting, courting, 
There are fat moths here to catch. The hunting's good. The bats remind me that the hunting's good. In Culver City, we tuck ourselves in and listen to the thunder. There's thunder and the crickets and at least one frog to sing along. The hunting's good. dangerous. I've put my body in dangerous places and wasn't being my father's daughter dangerous. Traveling in possession of a womb and a brain, crumpled bits of understanding and expectation hidden under the false lining of these shoes. A willingness to walk with my sister, to sit not quiet but talking in among the bean seeds of plants passed hand to hand. The unpublished poems, whispered to dried sage leaves and handed on in hope. Asada, you're my relative, my teacher, a woman in danger as we all are in these and other times, a woman whose face is on a poster, whose registered fingerprint can be waved, can be called up. We were not meant to live this long. We were none of us meant to live this long. Endangered, endangered, dangerous. <coughs> Doug hates it when I read him love poems from the mic. Oh, do it! <laughs> so, our new jokes in jade bones. We run along the coast, our kid feet still wet with longness. We run alongside the staccato rails that vanish and appear in tufts of indigenous shrubs, stands of weed eucalyptus, we strawberry and artichoke. We chase flotillas of brown pelican and dance to our own childhoods and beach and driftwood, not replanted here, but born in this strange and colonial place. So surface patchwork that the jade bones show, the tossed stone chewed to cheese by olive muscle. It's a generous place, if sometimes sleepy, and this fog sings some old songs too. I think I want to do two more. I'm going to read Doug another love poem because he's not embarrassed enough. <laughs> yeah, no, he can't. He can't get redder. Watch. <laughs> drag out the old gloves and play catch with me. Let's drag those old gloves out. Mine, a mold of decades gone version of this hand. Healing percussion of ball, a rhythm, a known weight and size. Play catch with me. Sweat polished leather conjuring afternoons out back with grandma pulling weeds to the transistor sputter of giant stains. And then maybe a half an hour of toss and thud, her lazy and perfect gesture, the ball quick. Here in the midsummer hill fog, play catch with me and draw the spirits. Baseball ghosts whispering possibility, singing songs of grace and ungrace, surprise and striving. When the day is too perfect for the usual, we can fall into a whisper of baseball, float on a memory of baseball or something close, walking past stories of Seal Stadium. The, vi the vibrations catch me in their unfaded spectacle as we drive by Kizar, or from the airport along the Bay Edge where candlestick birds still flock. Mm. Love me in this year and season. Play catch with me. This last one's called Watershed. Village sites still sing. 
resonate through hidden shell mounds from every watershed that wrap these hills on thick air nights like these. Songs throb through the sidewalks, through the bark of bay trees and the ache and full bloom. And every angled slab of rock peering through the hillsides around Sorry. Rocky Point and Glen Park Canyon remember their true names and call them out like birds do, announcing boundaries. Unseen, but heard if listened for, there is still joy in these hillsides. The water still runs here. Thank you so much for coming. Are there any projects we need to know about real quick? Any anything coming up soon? We we want we want to be a part of. We want to hear about. We want to attend. You know what I do want to say? Yes. Um, okay. So Thea Matthews is actually in um, the first issue of the city is already speaking. So um, I think that's still a thing you can get. I'm pretty sure I have some copies. Not here, but generally. Um, so that's someplace you can get her work. My understanding is that we have to loan Kevin back to Mexico for a while. But we'll keep his seat for him. It's my enormous pleasure to service the Poet Lord of the City, and I'm really grateful. There are a bunch of great readings coming up. You can usually check them on, as far as my stuff is concerned. If I'm being responsible, you can find them on my Facebook page. Um, but I think everybody's got work coming out and publication. So, that. I don't meant to say that, but I wanted to make sure people knew that they're still available. The city is already speaking with you now. Oh yeah, and on Earth, the flowers march. March. Keep your eyes out. Yes, it's awesome. I've had the whole manuscript. Woo! All right. Thanks for listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast from City Lights Bookstore and Publishers. Our theme music was provided by Axolotl. All City Lights events are free. To see upcoming events at City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco, check out www.citylights.com events.